0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We are broadcasting from Sherm Annual, and we're at the Accurate booth, and Dan's with us. And so we're going to ask Dan a bunch of questions about screening, any of the intersection points of screening and a couple things that we care about. Dan, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself?
1: I would be happy to. First of all, William, thank you for being here. Sure. Just excited to have you guys here at the booth, so very much appreciate that. So I've been in this space for about 20 years. I had the pleasure, of, really, of working with our sales, our implementation, our onboarding, our customer service teams globally at Accurate. Oh, that's cool. That's so big.
0: after the sale, you get
1: to then bring them in? I do, yeah. Oh. It's, we did this very purposefully at Accurate. We said like, we want one person to oversee the whole go-to-market team, and more importantly, the whole customer journey. Oh, that's awesome. So from beginning to end top of the funnel on the marketing side, all the way through to the account management and customer service side, I get to, I really get to work with our clients and our prospects. So it's been- So you get
0: to see all the stuff. Yeah, I do, which is great. And also what's great about that is you get to talk to the sales team about what they've said during the process or what the prospect customer heard, and then you get to reconcile that with them. Okay. Now this is what they said. This is what you said. Okay. Here's some things that I'm dealing with now. As a result of that, we'll work it out. However, yes. let's not get ourselves into the situation. It sounds
1: like you know something about salespeople. It's, it's one of those <laughs> deals.
0: What I love about salespeople, like I do a lot of SKOs, and is the optimism. These are people that deal with rejection management, but they just keep coming back. They do. They just keep coming back, and I love that. But yeah, they sometimes, I think it's junior salespeople generally, is they'll just say anything to get the deal. And the game of enterprise sales is a game of saying no. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It is. It's just, oh, can you do this? No. Yeah. And let me tell you why.
1: And let me tell you what the better way to do it is. That's right. That's right. that's the right way to go.
0: That's. Didn't you know that you've got a great salesperson? Yeah. When they can actually look you in the eye and say, yep, no. And then explain exactly what you're saying. Because it's like, yeah, I'm not just going to say yes to you. That's not my job. My job's not to say yes to you. And it is a yes for, but when it's not, I'm not just going to lie to you junior salespeople, they're not that confident They're not there yet. They're not there yet. Now you're right. They've got to live through a couple of these where they oversold the deal.
1: And they feel that pain.
0: They got to feel that pain.
1: Because when that client leaves, which never happens at Accurate, but I've heard in other firms that happens, when that client leaves, the paycheck gets a little smaller. 100%. That's that's the pain point that they
0: get. What I've talked to salespeople about, I'm like, listen it's real simple. The game of sales is simple. You want to sell to them for the rest of your life, no matter what you're doing. You can be selling cars, you can be selling candy, you can be selling enterprise software. It doesn't matter. What does that predicate on? You telling them the truth. Amen. Just tell them the truth. Always do that. If you tell them the truth, it doesn't matter if they like it or not. It's just your truth. You got to tell the truth. And then guess what? You'll never get, you'll never get in that situation where your check gets smaller. Yeah. Because you'll always be in front of it. All right. Because you interact with customers, we got all kinds of fun things to talk about. One is global and the intersection of global and screening. What have you seen? I learned yesterday that Accurate does screens at 195 countries. Yeah. Didn't know there was 195 countries, so there's that. (laughs) But, anyhow, besides that, what are you seeing on the global front? What are the desires from American companies or global talent or even global companies that want other talent, what do they need in screening?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. What we see, especially with US multinationals, UK multinationals, these are businesses that are operating all over the world. We see inconsistency. Inconsistency. Yep. And so you talk to a lot of companies, you talk to a lot of very big organizations, and you say, tell me about your global screening program. And they'll say, we have a US screening program. We have a UK screening program. (laughs) We also operate in 25 other countries, yeah. we don't really know yeah. what we do there. We don't
0: know what they have to do there. But
1: they're all our employees yep. they are walking around with the badge. They're in the building. They have access to our systems. They're yep. talking to our customers. Yep. They're no different no, than the got, guy in Manhattan.
0: So you've got all kinds of risk. You have all all, yeah, all, so all you, kinds of fraud, all kinds of compliance issues. Exactly. So you see a
1: lot of inconsistencies. And so I think that's the one thing that we really talk to our clients about in prospects is you really have to have a consistent program globally.
0: If you're screening
1: people in the US and you know that you have risks, you know those risks are elsewhere. That's right. And now there is a there is there's a truth to the fact that you're not gonna be able to get all the same information in every country.
0: Some of that's cultural and some of that's what, different laws in different countries, et cetera. But you
1: can do something.
0: Right. You can do something. And again, I think from a talent acquisition perspective, you're trying to make the best talent hiring decision as you can. And if that's someone in Mozambique or whatever, fantastic great now is that for person that resume that linkedin profile is that the person that you interviewed the person that you interviewed the person that like some of the basic stuff but it like i was talking to sackett tim sackett earlier because he has a staffing company yeah and one of the things that they deal with is because they they literally they have to do these global screens and because of the variability like some of them it could be two weeks some of them are longer than that yeah and so they've got to be able to manage that for their clients because they're once they know it's like a six-week process it's in Vietnam and it's gonna take six weeks whatever the bid is the client or the their account managers tell the client it's eight weeks ten weeks to set the expectations that's right that's right but having an idea I think what's great about it is having an idea like you want that screen you need that screen it's got to be in that area here's what it takes yeah do you have your customers, do they want that level of specificity?
1: They do. And obviously, we, the most important thing for us is to set the expectations right for the candidate. And so Good we call. we implore our customers to make sure that they're communicating effectively to their candidates about what the process is going to be. You mentioned earlier about the cultural yeah. variances. Yeah, yeah. In the U.S., we've been background screening people for decades. Yeah. And there's not really a cultural aversion to the idea no. of me proving who I am. You're bringing on, yeah. you know? Yeah, You go to countries, especially like in Asia, Maybe you're in Japan or Korea, and it is a bit of an affront to yeah. say to somebody,
0: yeah. I don't believe who you are. I don't believe <laughs> who you are.
1: You're, really, you're yeah. literally questioning their integrity.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think and that's so right.
1: it's critical for you as an employer to be explaining to your candidates why you're doing this. Right. So that's a real critical part of the education process is it's not that we don't believe you. Right. We just want to ensure that you are who you are, your background is who you are, and we're really trying to make sure that we have a safe workplace. right? And we want to make a consistent workplace around the world.
0: Do you have customers now or do you see it where in the future where their candidates want a copy mm. of, of their screen, like a credit report?
1: Yeah, it's a great question too. I don't think
0: we've really seen an uptick of that type of interest. Just wonder if the candidates are, like at one point you're asking for their time. In some way you're asking their, for their permission. And, and so, with behavioral assessments and drug screens and background checks it's like at one point the candidate's going to be like yeah I'm giving you stuff I want stuff yeah I don't know what that is I don't have that worked out in my head yet but I've seen it work in the credit report industry say like, as as we want your permission to run this report we're going to give you a copy we gave
1: you the results of it and now of course in the US really probably in most countries too you absolutely as the consumer have the right to it right if you go through the background check and you want a copy of it, you can get it.
0: It would be interesting. And you can get it for free. Yeah, it'd be interesting from a candid perspective, like, what if I don't know? What if I don't know? I would obviously know if I've been arrested. I'd obviously know if I have a felony or been in prison. Hopefully like, you would know that. Yeah. Some of those things are pretty obvious. But I might not know everything. Yeah. Like, again, like credit. There might be something on the report. Yeah, that's not right. That's not accurate.
1: I think you dig into a, an interesting question, too, about where this space may be going. Yeah, because I think we've all posited over the years that this would become more of a consumer-driven space. 100%. And it just makes sense, logical sense that it would because it should be, right? Well, yeah. It should be me. Like, I always go back to the physical resume that I have. I almost think of it like 40 years ago, I'm taking around my manila folder of yes. all my docs.
0: and They were printed on really nice paper. Though. Exactly.
1: Yes, and they're on course. this really good, nice paper and I'm handing <laughs> it off to someone and I think now we're at a point, obviously, with the wallet. Right. That all of that could probably be there at right. some point, And it could be more consumer-driven. I think...
0: I think also continuous. So one of the things that I see with the screening market is... And this is behavioral assessments, too, in the assessment work or market world as well, is a lot of people used to think of this as just pre-hire. Like, this is something you did before you made the hire. Fantastic. Okay, that's fantastic. But what happens three months into their tenure and they get arrested and you don't know anything about it. Yeah. But again, you did the background check at the beginning to manage risk and fraud and compliance and all this other stuff. But now they're employees and you don't know anything about your risk. Yeah. So I see that also being, it's great for employers, but I see that also could be something good for employees. Something pops up on my record. No, that's not me. Yeah. Like that's. First of all, the company knows about it, so they're managing risk, that's cool. But at the same time, me as a candidate or as an employee, that's not, that's identity though that's not me. I can yeah. prove that it's not me, et cetera. So that'd be really interesting to see how that plays out.
1: I think you're gonna to start to see, well, we have seen certainly more interest in continuous monitoring yep. of employees, especially during COVID, it was interesting. COVID obviously was the massive challenge for talent acquisition and for HR yep. in general to be able to hire as fast as they could. And so we saw process changes, clients that were changing process, moving things to post hire, doing doing less on the front end Correct, just to right. get people in the door. Obviously not always things that we would say that was best practice, but things that they wanted to do.
0: Do contingent, do uh, contingent. Con- Basically, exactly. If, Contingent if hire, yeah.
1: and then they would bring him in the door, and then they would run the check, and they they would have to deal with that from a legal perspective. Right,
0: well, but just you now the morale, now the, all that stuff, you came in, you started working, everyone likes you. I know. By right. the way, you're. And maybe the,
1: you like them too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's an interesting element. I think that has really built more interest in post-hire continuous monitoring. To your point about listen, we've. This shouldn't be a one-and-done kind of scenario, right? The risk is real.
0: The risk is always, it's always continuous.
1: It's, it's continuous, right?
0: Uh, I think the word monitoring freaks people out. Yeah. It's like the word, it's just, its we could say monitoring, and we can use another synonym for monitoring, but it's, it's when I talk to HR pros about it, I'm like, it's just risk. So, whatever, Plain and simple. You c- call it whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Continuous
1: but, checking. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever you want to, yeah.
0: Make it a nice word. Fantastic. The idea is you need to know, because if you don't know, you should know. Yeah. You're going to get blamed for not knowing.
1: You If God forbid some kind of workplace violence issue occurs or whatever it may be.
0: Oh, that's when everybody goes, hey, why didn't we know this? Yeah. What's going on? Why didn't Like we this know-
1: person got arrested last week for this yeah. gun charge and you didn't know about it? Why did you know? We checked him two years ago or yeah. five years ago or yeah. ten yeah. years ago. he yeah.
0: came in the front. Of, we did this check back then. Yeah, that's great. Why, why didn't we know about this? Yeah. So I think it's actually something HR professionals should do for themselves, is to look at that and go, yeah, this is actually, this is, people are gonna ask questions. I wanna be able to make sure that, not just check things off the list, but make sure that we're within the realm of, okay, we're not gonna be able to mitigate all risk, but you brought up a great example of someone that had a gun charge and you didn't know it, and then they go in and do some type of thing at the work. You're gonna get all these questions. As you should. They're
1: going to say, you should have known.
0: It doesn't matter what you did two two years ago. public
1: information. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you about the, with what your customers are doing with candidate experience. In particular, kind of the intersection of screening and candidate experience, where the employee, or excuse me, the candidate wants things to happen fast. Inside two weeks, inside 10 days, inside three days, whatever the bid is. They just want it to happen fast. And employers are like, we want it to be fast, but we also want quality. So how do you you get these you feel these questions from yeah. customers? So it's okay. They're trying to well, they're, work, they're working this teeter totter of a balance between the candidate's desires and needs, the employer's desires and needs. And so, where does screening fit into that candidate experience for your customers?
1: I'll throw one other stakeholder in that process. Good. When you talk about the employer, I think it's between the talent acquisition pro. And the hiring, hiring manager.
0: Yeah. Good call. because the yep. hiring
1: manager is the one triangle that's screaming down the neck of oh, the, yeah. the TA. Fast, bro. fast, you fast. Know, Where is this?
0: Yeah, I don't care about the background check. Exactly. Yeah, we get rid of that. I don't care. You, yeah, you should you care. You
1: might it hurts. I think there's a couple different components to the candidate experience. First of all, obviously, you want to make sure that you've got really great technology on the front end, so that the candidate is not dealing with a paper form here and right. an electronic form there, and they've got to log into this system and that system. And it's just,
0: that's card abandonment. That's just leaving. That that's
1: exactly right. That's say, uh, I like that card abandonment. That's exactly what it is. They just will put up their hands and say, you know what, right. I'm moving on.
0: Susie Welch yesterday, she, she talked about Jack Welch's life. So she talked about a student in her business class called Fun Employment. So it's a Gen Z term where when they're unemployed, they're going to have fun and do odd jobs. But it's like, she just these are two words that are never, 63 years old, I've never put these two words together. Fun and unemployed. I've been unemployed, <laughs> it was never fun. Well, it was never fun, yeah. <laughs> so it's candidates, candidates, their desires, what's, what I think is great, again, getting back to your the triangle of hiring manager, recruiter, candidate, is, again, the hiring manager can scream all they want. But it's really the recruiter that has to then say, yeah, we have to do this. A, they need to know that this is going on, so we gotta communicate it, understand the expectation. They, we need the results. We can't make it the hiring decision. You can't put an offer letter in front of them until we know this. That's right.
1: Yeah, and I think that you're spot on with regards to education. And it goes back to the basics, right? So the TA pro has gotta be communicating to the candidate about the process and providing the candidate with a great experience. So we integrate with a lot of the folks that are in the room here with us today yep. so that you have a seamless integration and process for the candidate. We've got great tools that if you're not integrated, we can get out to our get out to your candidate. You all have a great
0: partner ecosystems.
1: Yeah, we're, do we do? we're really fortunate to have a great partner yeah. ecosystem. It's, yeah.
0: it's stellar. And again, connecting all those technologies is great for the pros but it's also great for the candidate. No doubt about it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's where the real big bang for the buck is, right? So fewer por- fewer paper right. less paper no paper fewer logins all of those it's things has to disjointed just disjointed experience. Yeah, completely a great experience. I and love then it. then the we really work a lot with our clients. And when you think about our buyer personas, it's like that talent acquisition pro is right at the center of it. He, she they are really focused on one how can i educate the candidate to the process right. so they get through it fast and they don't have a lot of questions why we're doing it how we're going to do it how you're going to interact with a third party like us like accurate and then they've also got to be educating that hiring manager around Sorry. here are the expectations turnaround time is typically 72 hours we're hiring in this state maybe we've got issues like our friends in the golden state of California, then they decide to <laughs> mask data births and do all sorts of things with public records and it makes it a little harder for us to get information, it's gonna take a little long. Yeah, and yeah. so we try to arm them with as much information as possible so they can go to that hiring manager, set those expectations. They still want it done yesterday.
0: Oh, 100%. But it, it makes should.
1: that process better.
0: It's like uh, I tell people all the time, the client's job is to push. Yes. That's the job. Their job is to push. Your job is to push back. Yeah if you will. I got to ask you about Sherm. We'll go out on a couple Sherm questions. What's been your experience here? I got to say this.
1: I've probably been, I don't know how many Sherms I've been to, but there have been, been a lot of them. And I think that I just, hats off to Johnny Taylor and the team. This seems to be like at a different level. I don't know what exactly it is. I think it's post-COVID. Everyone's back, and there's twenty-five thousand people here, and they're excited and they're interested. And they're... I can't
0: put my finger on it either. Yeah,
1: but there's something about it. There's yeah. something about the aesthetics of it. There's just something about. I was walking in yesterday, and there was a DJ in the parking lot. Yeah, and I was like, "That's really cool. What a great idea! Just to welcome you to yeah. it. It's just, it just
0: that's it, the ambiance that's it, bringing you in. Think yeah. about sens- sensory, type of stuff.
1: It feels not that Sherm... Was stayed. It just feels different.
0: Well, oh, they, they would tell you that. They would. They would tell you that they couldn't get out of their own shadow to some degree. But I like that they're embracing technology yeah. a whole lot more. We're staring actually at Sherm Labs, which is right across the way from us. Is they've got a venture arm. They've got a startup competition. Yeah. There. they're actually doubling down on technology. They've got a Sherm Tech. They've got a technology conference, which is small. And they're incubating that. They're cultivating that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, back to Johnny and team. It's like. They knew they needed to do this, they jumped in. And yeah. I can't put my finger on it either, but I'm like walking around going, just an energy here. It is. But I haven't felt to the Sherm in a long time. That's not some of the bespoke Sherm talent or you like some of the smaller shows, but a larger show where it has this energy. It's the third day, technically the third day of the show. We're in the afternoon and this place is filled. It's buzzing. It's crazy. Yeah. We're about an hour from shutting the to the expo hall down. And normally this is the time when you see vendors just start busting things right. down. Yeah. They right. start taking the booth apart, but they're just still interacting they're with people. They're packing their suitcases. Pack and yeah, yeah. Nobody's packing. I don't no. see anybody packing. I don't see anything rolling around. Like, and I we, love that. And
1: we've had some wonderful conversations with people too. It feels like HR professionals are really interested in what's going on in the marketplace. They're really interested in having conversations with us and with others. It just, I think part of that is the dynamic of the post-COVID world. I think what we've seen is I think HR professionals were slammed over the last two years yep. of just trying to make the trains run on time. Yep. And they've done a wonderful job of doing that. I think they're now looking at the marketplace and saying, maybe it's time for us to think about new technology, new services, and really get a view for how can you make us better? And then that's a conversation we've been having with a lot of prospects and our clients, too, is... Like how can we come in and look at your processes as maybe helping you make help help you be better?
0: Make your life better, make, yeah. make it easier. I love where you are placed too. So great placement because you're close to the restrooms and you got the intersection of exit and entrance. Yeah. So it couldn't have been placed better. It's a so. great spot. Yeah. Brother, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. My pleasure, William. Always a
1: pleasure chatting with you. And again, Thanks. thank you for being here.
0: Absolutely. And we're out.